Welcome to Resilience Unraveled. Hi everybody and welcome to Resilience Unraveled, a podcast that examines all aspects of personal and organisational resilience. A huge all-encompassing subject that covers the ability to thrive in life by harnessing your cognitive, emotional, physiological and contextual abilities. I share stories from people who have thrived despite remarkable obstacles, as well as highly successful practitioners and experts across a range of topics. And this podcast introduces their amazing stories and expertise, as well as my own reflections, perspectives, strategies and tips, which come from my own synthesis of themes and trends from wider learning. You can go to qedod.com forward slash extras to access offers, tools and resources, including free articles and ebooks. For those of you that would be interested in supporting our work and contributing more proactively, you can find our new Patreon page at patreon.com. Then search for Resilience Space Unraveled. So, let's get started. Enjoy the show. Hi everybody and welcome back to Resilience Unraveled. And I see before me Rusty Gaylord and he's a fine man and Rusty in all senses of the word. So hi, Rusty, how are you? Hi, Russell, great to be here with you, thanks. And I'm guessing by that fantastic accent, you're somewhere exotic in the world. Where are you tonight? I am in the exotic California, just outside of San Francisco and Silicon Valley. That's exotic. And you're gonna tell me the weather's fantastic, it's balmy, it's warm, it's breezy, it's gorgeous, life is wonderful. Come on, tell me, tell me the American dream. California is the land of dreams. Absolutely. It's, uh, it's a great, great day here. It's sunny, but it's not too warm. It's, uh, it's kind of a little bit on the cool side, but you walk out in the sun and it feels wonderful. It's a good Brilliant. spring day. Imagine a company called Silicon Valley Dreams. Imagine that or, you know, where the place where you go to build dreams. That would be amazing, wouldn't it? So, uh, <laughs> Rusty, it's lovely for you to spend time with us now. I'm really appreciative of you uh, joining us today, tonight in the UK. There, It's been horrendous weather it's our normal sort of summer weather is lashing rain and hail and the usual sorts of stuff so um tell me what it is that you do i am a i am a transformational coach i work with people who are ready to change some aspect of their lives oftentimes it's career oriented uh, people who are feel like they're in a dead end uh, in what they're doing they may feel bored with their job kind of having run out of steam and run out of passion no longer their heart's not in it anymore or there may be people who are unhappy or working too hard and wanting to transform their their energy and their life and the amount of time that they're spending in their work right so so that's that's the work that i do and i help people to make a change and just rekindle the passion and find work that they love doing wow and so for many people looking at your previous career, they'd be saying that you were probably doing a job that they had long aspired to do. So tell us a little bit about your background. Absolutely. So right before I came to become a coach, I left Apple after 13 years there. And I did very well at Apple. I was the director of finance, a worldwide director of finance, leading finance teams all over the globe forecasting Apple products. It was an amazing time. I was there during the iPhone launch and the Apple Watch and the iPad. So I was there for huge milestones at the company and I had a great job and Apple's a wonderful company. And I found myself thinking, um, you know, I don't really want to do this until I retire. 
I had no aspirations to keep climbing the corporate ladder. Uh, I looked around and I said, you know, I, I don't really see another job that I want to do. And so I, I was one of those people who felt stuck. I, um, uh, I wanted to do something new, but I didn't know what it was. I thought about, well, here I am working at Apple. Maybe I could go work at Facebook or at Google or at another tech company. But that just felt like a change of scenery, but nothing really new. I thought about consulting. I thought about um, even going to work at a startup. Again, felt like a change of scenery, but not fundamentally something new. So I, mm. I just got to this place where I just was kind of feeling hopeless, thinking, I know I want something different, but how do I ever find something that's different? And how could I get hired to do something different? So it was really, um, for a couple of years, it was it was kind of a challenging place to be. Yeah. And so, well, tell me about that challenging place to be, because I think a lot of people are getting to that sort of dip, don't they? So what's it like? Because you're relatively young bloke, really, aren't you? Looking at you anyway. Well, <laughs> I'm coming up on 50, so I'm not, so... Uh, Blimey, you're um, looking very good on the California health stuff. <laughs> I'm not 27, and you look a lot younger than me. <laughs> um, the, uh, you know, it, it's, uh, it, it's, it's a challenging place in part because, as you said earlier, from the outside, things look really good. Mm. And there's a lot of people who would say, man, it would be nice to be in the kind of job that you have. And, you know, in many ways, they're right. Like I had a great job at Apple. I was paid well. I worked with smart people. It's a great company. Uh, so there were a lot of really good and positive things. But it was that piece that was missing that just was gnawing at me. You know, it's like, am I really going to spend another 15 years of my life doing fundamentally the same thing and working at a big company? If something happened to me, I didn't show up at work one day, you know, is it really make that much difference? Am I really making a difference in this world? I'm putting hours and hours of my life, you know, the bulk of our lives is our working hours. And I'm putting the bulk of my life and my energy into this work. And what am I going to have to show for it at the end of, you know, when I'm finished, when I retire, when I'm 75 and looking back on my life. And it was that, it was all of those thoughts that just kept coming to me of what, um, what is the meaning? What is what is the purpose here? And is it really, am I doing something that's meaningful to me? So, and the answer was no, but I didn't know how to find a different path. Sure. So we'll come to that in a second, if I may, but it's, it's a very interesting thing in large corporates, isn't it? That there's a sort of an assumption that you're going to work yourself into the ground. You're going to stay there. You're going to be hyper loyal. You're going to be engaged, you know, employee productivity scores, all that sort of stuff. And I've always maintained that two weeks after you leave a large organization, everyone's forgotten who you were. But so what, what's it like being caught on that sort of corporate treadmill whilst you're not that thrilled about being there? What, what, how does that turn out for you? Mm. Yeah, it's a great, it's a great point. Um, <clears throat> and I, I'm going to, I'll answer that question, but I also want to say, talk for a minute about how you get there because you know, for someone like me, I did everything I was supposed to do. Mm. I went to college. I studied hard. I got good grades. I got a good job. I went to business school. You know, I got promoted. I got married, had kids. So like check, 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 check all the boxes. But then to find myself in this place, like, well, gosh, I did everything I was supposed to do. And I, but now my heart's not in it anymore. That was a whole nother level of the mm. frustration or disappointment. It's like, gosh, if I did what I was supposed to do, but I didn't get what I'm supposed to get, then yes. what do I do? So to wake up every day with that kind of feeling, um, it was challenging. But, and I'm not to say, and 
But I just want to be clear, I didn't hate my job by any means. Apple was a great company. And intellectually, there were parts of my job that were interesting. And I liked the people I worked with. So there were things that I enjoyed about going into work. But I found myself less passionate and less motivated. Uh, So it was, you know, I went into work and I did the things that were there to do. um, And, but I found myself more responsive than proactive. Uh, which was, you know, when, when work came to me through email, through my boss or for whatever means, because I've been there a long time, things came to me, they showed up at my desk and I got them done and my team got them done. But, uh, you know, I just, I didn't have that hunger to drive and change and, and move things forward that I, that I had had previously. And, you know, I, again, that's, um, it feels like something's missing. Like I, I enjoy the leaning into life. I enjoy creating yeah. things. I enjoy being positive and, and moving forward. And that was missing from my work. And that's really interesting because if you look at the three classic stages of burnout, you know, the first thing to go is your passion and such like. So it's almost as if you were in that loop. And that often happens when you lose that sense of meaning. You lose that sense of passion, that sense of, I don't mean caring in the sense of caring about the job you do, but actually caring enough about the whole thing. So, mm-hmm. so you find yourself in that stage where, where you're saying, I know this isn't right. I know I want something better, but I don't know where to start or how to do this. So, so what, what was your first step towards finding out? Well, I'll tell you, but it has nothing to do with my job and it wasn't intentional. <laughs> uh, and <clears throat> I'm going to tie this into, uh, uh, I'm, I'm about to release a book in next month. Uh, I have, my first book is coming out and it's called Breaking the Code. And the code is the belief system and the patterns that we, that we all have. We all have a belief system and our patterns that we follow in life. And it's challenging to break the code because it's the way we see the world. It's like a fish doesn't know it's in water. Like we don't know that we're holding these beliefs that are guiding the results that we have in life. Mm -hmm. So the code that I had was to work at a big corporation, to be an employee, to work for somebody else uh, and to do good work and have a stable job and all of those things. Uh, And in order to change my career, I had to break the code, but I didn't even see the code. Yeah. So the, the part of this that actually that fit in was had nothing to do with my career and it had everything to do with my personal life, which was during this time when I was in this midst of wondering what I was going to do, I got divorced. Uh, and the divorce uh, was an external way of breaking my code because yes. I saw myself as this successful business person, married, kids, happy, good life, all of that kind of stuff. And one element of that just fell apart. Yeah. And it was devastating to me. Uh, it was, it really, it touched on my self-confidence and my self-image. Um, I never saw myself as someone who would get divorced and it, it was very challenging. So to mm-hmm. work through that and have to come through that and figure out that, you know, gosh, I'm still alive and I'm still okay. And I'm still a good person, even though I got divorced was in a way breaking the code because it was breaking this pattern, this sense of this belief system that I had around the world. And so once I did that once, it gave me this ability and a confidence to say, oh, wow, look, I, I had this kind of spectacular crash and burn thing in my, in my relationship life, and I survived it. So, 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 so just to leap in for a second, so how do you break the code without that massive traumatic external event? What's the, what's the secret to that? 
Yeah. Well, the secret to that is to find something that you want enough that you're willing to stretch and get it. Yeah. Um, and so the, you know, when I talk about breaking the code, the first thing is just even acknowledging that there is a code, that you have a way that you think about the world. And one simple example I like to give is, uh, you know, if you, if you think about the salary you make today and you say, well, gosh, if I, if, you know, most people say, well, I want to make some more money. And they think about a 10 or 20% increase in their salary. Say, well, what, you know, do you think you could triple your salary? And most people, they're going to sweat a little bit and be like, well, I would like that, but I don't think I could do that. And it's really that in itself is a perfect example of your code because it's how you see yourself. Mm. There are people out there who are making triple in salary what you're making. Those jobs exist. People exist. They're in them. They're making it. And they don't have anything different than what you have. Yeah. But how you see yourself makes all the difference. If you yes. walked into interview for a job that's you know triple the salary, you're gonna you're gonna not walk in with the same confidence as someone who's coming from a job like that because yes. to you it feels like this big stretch. Yeah. So that's an example of um, what the code is. But once you acknowledge that it's there, you can deliberately set step outside of the code for a moment to think about what would you really love to have in your life. And this, not from the standpoint of like, don't answer the, you know, how do I, how do I have more money than my neighbors or drive the fancier car or whatever, but it's, it's really about what's meaningful to you. What kind of life do you want to create for yourself? And for most people that's uh, having meaningful work. Yes, of course, having an income and having a comfortable lifestyle, but it's also having time to invest in their friends and their family and their hobbies and their personal interests so that they've got a balanced and complete life. And so once you create that picture and intentionally create something that's different from, in a, and it's beyond your current code that requires you to break the code to get there, yeah. that becomes the motivation and the tool that you can use to help you move forward and break the code. And so you obviously explored this for yourself. Were you helped by somebody else or how, how, did, you, how did you begin to, um, I mean, you obviously did not develop the metaphor afterwards, but um, in your own life, you had the divorce going on and then, and then what else did you do? Yeah. Well, so uh, after getting divorced, I, I had been uh, attending a church for many years and my ex-wife was still there. And so I, I moved to a, a new place and it was a few months that I'd been there and a guest speaker came one day and she stood up there and it was in a 20 minute talk. She opened the door to change the direction of my life. Wow. Uh, and, and really it was this question about what I was just explaining to you about how do you step outside of your existing code and imagine a life that's another level of success beyond what you are in today. Hmm. So I talk about like turning up the dial, right? Most of us say, Hey, if you, if your level of satisfaction and happiness on life is a six or seven out of 10, turn up the dial, turn it up to an eight or nine, or even a 10 and stretch yourself to turn it all the way up to 11 because most of us will limit ourselves what we think is possible. Well, mm. what if you bust through that limit? It's like, what if you imagine a life that's even better than what you think is possible for you? So start with that. And I'm guessing you start with that because if you started with the, how do you, how do we achieve that? Then that would already be limiting. Exactly, yes. As, as soon as you start to think about how you'll limit yourself. So as you're yeah. thinking about that, you have to ignore the how, you have to deliberately do it. And it takes some, it takes some uh, willpower to do that. Um, so, so my answer in thinking about that was, um, having come through the divorce and built a community of people to, uh, of, of friends and, and, uh, 
support really to navigate through that process. What I wanted to do was um, you know, look for meaningful work, meaningful work. And my answer to that was to have conversations with people, conversations yeah. that matter about life, about what you want in life. Uh, and so that was the first idea that came to me in that moment when I was sitting there in that spiritual center and this person was speaking. I was like, wow, what if I could get paid to have conversations like that? And for me, that was like, you know, mind explosion <laughs> because I, you know, I was a business person. I'd gone to business school and I'd done very well in the corporate track. So to switch gears and go become a coach and go from finance, which is very left brain analytical kind of work to going and being a coach, which is a little bit more right brain kind of emotional based also felt like all of the, in all these different dimensions, it felt like a radical change. Mm. So it scared me. Honestly, um, you know, I was nervous about it. I had no idea if I could do it. Um, and yet it excited me. And so that, and that is the, really the only, only gauge of whether you're crafting a vision for something that you would really like is, does yeah. it excite you? Does it make you come alive? Can, when yeah. you see yourself in it, does it feel exciting and powerful? And my answer was yes. And some people would say, uh, and I'm not one of them, but just to be a devil's advocate for a moment, if you're if you're, you know, working 43 hours a week on one job and 52 hours a week on the second job and you haven't got any meaning, but you're struggling to get, you know, to make ends meet and you've got a couple of kids or whatever it might be, it's actually very hard to lift yourself into that place where you can step outside of what you call in the code, isn't it? And, and there's a sort of criticism often laid at um, people, you know, people who do this because it's almost as if it is the... the um, a specific segment of the population that can aspire, dream, afford it, and then have the wherewithal to do it. And I just wondered about your views on that because um, it, it is interesting, you know, how how um, it is a particular it's a particular meme, isn't it? To 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 follow this path. It is. Um, so so two things. One one is Russell. I will just tell you just straight up. Um, I've been very fortunate. You know, I worked at a great company during a great time and. I didn't, I was not, and I never have been in that position where I'm working two full-time jobs to try to make ends meet. Um, so I don't have that personal experience, but amongst my network of coaches, there are people who do. Yeah. I've seen that with a number of people who have come out of very difficult financial situations and turn their life around. And I will tell you, it is not easy to elevate your thinking and to see yourself as a, to see a different level of potential for yourself besides the one that you're living in. It's, it's, and I, I don't, I, there's no blame in this or whatever, because it's so easy to say, how could I possibly look at my environment and how could I possibly do anything different given this environment? Yes. And that is a legitimate perspective. And that perspective will keep you in that environment. Yes. And it's absolutely right. You know, the, it's the way to change your life is to get on and change it really, to imagine what you want and build the narrative and then follow it. And so so but you've got to have the wherewithal to do it, but you can also work towards it. It doesn't have to be quite as dramatic as yours. You can, you can actually create a path that runs alongside something else and, and transmit and transmit. You can trans, yeah. um, transmute towards that sort of path, can't you? You can. And I, and I want to say like my, you know, it, it's the way I tell the story. It sounds more dramatic than perhaps it is because mm. it was a, uh, at least a year process for me to figure out I wanted to become a coach to get trained and certified, to finally get the certification, to start my business. And then I went and told my boss, hey, I, I wanna uh, cut down my hours. And I was fortunate to be able to work half time for a few months. 
So, you know, I went half time at, at my corporate job at Apple while I was building my coaching business. And then ultimately I left entirely. Yes. So even in my business, which sounds like there was a snap of the finger kind it of does, change, yeah. it wasn't. Yes. And that's, and that's important to say is that because there's, there's a, there's a criticism leveled, isn't there, at some people who make it sound fantastical and easy, but it's not, it's, I mean, you were working, you were still working and you were studying and such like, and that is work in itself, isn't it? Because actually personal development is, it opens up a lot of boxes inside your own head sometimes, isn't it? Oh yeah. And, and I'll tell you, so two things. One is it's so easy to assume that you have to go from A to Z all in one big jump, but nobody goes from A to Z all in one big jump. Mm. <laughs> you don't skip over all the other letters. You, you walk through them. And mm. that was, that was my process, you know? So when someone is thinking, you know, let's just say if I rewind back to where I was, I wasn't thinking I'm going to quit my job and become a coach. I was thinking, what's the first step? Well, gosh, yeah. the first step is to research what does it look like to become a coach and where can I get trained to become a coach? So I could take the first step. And once I took the first step, the second step became easier was to sign up to get trained. But I will tell you that with so many of those steps along the way, every step I took, I was afraid. Yeah. You know, even signing up to become a coach, it's like, like you said, I'm working full time. And now I'm, you know, recently in the, actually in the midst of a, uh, the divorce, which was contentious and taking a lot of my time and energy. Mm -hmm. And my son is with me when he's with me. I have, it's just me. There's no other parent around. So I'm full time with him when he's with me. So all of these different things, which, which are taking my time, and I could easily have said, I don't have time for this. It's not the right time. I need to wait. But opportunities don't always come at a convenient time. Yeah. And sometimes you have to say yes to the things that show up in your life. And I just decided this matters to me and I'm going to do it. I, I don't know how I'm going to do it. I don't know where the hours are going to come from, yeah. but it matters. And I'm going to say yes and do it. And I did. But that same process of fear and then recognizing the fear and being willing to step forward anyway, happened at each one of those steps. Yeah. And that's brilliant. And that's the point, isn't it? It's the fear is there for a reason, isn't it? Fear is there simply to highlight the risks. And of course, you can figure out the risks and you can then move forward in either a rational way or you can just throw yourself into it and move forward in quite a sort of, you know, emotional way, which is absolutely fine. So you're obviously successful now. You're trading, you're practicing, you've got loads of clients and that's a cool And you're writing a book. So you better tell us something about the books. And you, you told us it was called Breaking the Code, but... Um, what, what are we going to find out when we read it? Well, so breaking the code is, uh, it's got multiple parts. So it starts with just this understanding and exploration is what is, what is the code and where are some of the, what are some of the beliefs that might be holding you back? And then it walks through a formula. How do you, how do you, if you're going to break the code, that's fine, but then what? Yeah. Obviously the next step would be, I'm going to rewrite the code to something that's more powerful. Uh, having worked in Silicon Valley, and I just, I think it's a great metaphor. I use technology as a metaphor for yeah. your inner tech. And your inner tech is your, your own kind of parallel of the technology world, right? In the technology world, you have your device or hardware, and then you have an operating system, and then you have apps. Really, the hardware and the operating system are only useful because they deliver the apps, which is the value that you get from your phone. It's the same thing in your life, right? You start with the apps, which is what are the things I want my life to look like? Just like you want your phone to be able to play games and connect with people and manage your calendar and all that. 
what are the things you want in your life? Well, I want meaningful work and I want time to spend with my friends and I want money to be able to travel where I want to go and, and contribute to organizations and make a difference in the way I want to. Mm -hmm. So you design the apps first. And so that's the first step of the upgrade process is design. What, is, what do you want your life to look like? The second stage is update. So if once you come up with a design, now you've got to update the operating system to make sure that you can achieve that. Yeah. So you look at some of these beliefs and say, where am I holding myself back? Well, I could never have a job that pays twice what I'm paying now, being paid now. Hmm. What if I could? What if I change that belief? Um, how can I start to transform that? And so just starting using that uh, in the update process is about changing and, re and having more empowering beliefs about yeah. what you can do in your life. And then the third step is install. So it's design, update, and install. And install is about taking action. I was like, great, okay, so I've got this design for what I want, and I've now updated beliefs to recognize that it's possible for me. Now, how can I actually take an action step that moves me forward? Again, not jumping from A to Z, but taking us go to step B and say, what is there? There's always something you can do to move forward. Wow, excellent. I love the analogy. And I'm guessing after that is upgrades, glitches, warranty claims, and all the other things that come with <laughs> IT. And then later on, you're going to need a whole new, because the thing, and I think the point about this, I was being fatuous, but um, with a sense of intent, because once you've done it once, you can do it again. So you yes. can actually end up with a whole new mobile phone, as it were, because once you've learned exactly. the process, it replicates, isn't it? And I'm guessing the first time you do it, it's the hardest, and the second time, you know, becomes consequentially easier, isn't it? Yeah, I think what you just said is is so insightful and so important that it's not it's it's the difference between uh, giving someone a fish and teaching them to fish. Yeah, and this is about learning to fish, right? You're you're learning to build this new to build your life in the way that you want to build it, and once you've done it, you recognize, oh wow, that actually works, and you can carry on it and do it again. Brilliant. So, uh, Rusty, tell us how we can find out more about the book. How tell us how we find out more about you. Um, are you on? Are you on all the socials and do you have a website? I have a website. You can find me on my website. It's uh, Silicon Valley Dream Builders, but it's abbreviated. So it's svdreambuilders.com. People come to Silicon Valley to build their dreams and you can too. svdreambuilders.com is the website. My, you can also find me on LinkedIn, which is my most active social network. So LinkedIn, uh, Rusty Gaylord, you can find me there. I am not as active on other social media. So that's if you want to connect with me, uh, it's social. That's the best place to do it. And just in case someone's listening to this now, just spell your surname for us because it's it's one of those, isn't it? It is. Yes. The, so my surname is as Gaylord. It's G A I L L A R D. Brilliant. G A I L L A R D. Brilliant. Excellent. Well, thank you for spending time this today. I really like it. I love the analogy, and um, it's interesting to see someone from Apple who's uh, left and you know, done better. Uh, yes. Steve yes. Jobs thank will you. Be proud. Uh, you know, I, there were people ahead of me who did the same thing. Yeah. I saw them go out and take a left turn in their career and go do something that they had always wanted to do that was meaningful to them. And yeah. I found that so inspiring when I, when I watch people do that. Yeah. And it says uh, something, and, doesn't it, for the big corporate jobs that there is this sense of, for some people, not everybody, but there is that, you do lose that sense of meaning as time rolls on and you do get that itch, don't you, that you have to scratch about something bigger than yourself and giving something back and making a difference. And it, you know, if you don't do it, you just spend the rest of your life regretting it. So why not? Right, exactly. 
Um, and that, you know, that was one of the things, you know, I, I mentioned what you just said about, you'll spend the rest of your life regretting it. And that was one of the tools I used because yeah. when I found myself having to make these decisions, like, gosh, am I really going to quit my job? Uh, and, and here in the U S uh, your job is where your health insurance comes from. So I have to figure that out. And, you know, all of these different layers of, of risk and complexity. And is, is this, am I really going to do this? So one of the ways I helped navigate that decision was what you just said. Well, if I'm, if I imagine myself towards the end of my life, 75, 80 years old, looking back on my life, what will I think was the right choice at this stage of my life? Was yeah. it to stay in this job where it's safe, play it safe, or yes, take a risk, but go do, take a risk in a direction of something that's meaningful to me. Yeah. And when I imagine that from my older, wiser self, that older, older, wiser self was hands down, instantly clear, go take the risk, go yeah. do what it is that's meaningful. You know, you can, Good. worst case, you can always come back. Excellent. Well, it's been a joy to spend time with you today. Thank you so much for spending time with us. And um, just to say that again, one more time, breaking the code and the website, svdreambuilders.com. Just, it's been a joy to spend time with you today. Thanks, Russell. You take care. Hi, everybody. I hope you found that episode useful and interesting. Feedback is always welcomed. And if you're in the mood to subscribe to us or even leave a comment on iTunes or Stitcher, that would be amazing. If you want to suggest ideas or even people you would like me to interview, then reach out to us at qedod.com forward slash contact. As I said earlier, you can go to qedod.com forward slash podcast for show notes or follow the links. And you can go to qedod.com forward slash extras to access offers, tools and resources, including free articles and ebooks. For those of you that would be interested in supporting our work and contributing more proactively, you can find our new Patreon page at patreon.com. Then search for Resilience Unraveled. I look forward to being in your ear next time around. Take care.